Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. This show is sponsored by Mark Drugs, who specialise in the custom compounding of medications, assuring that the client gets the proper prescriptions for their unique needs and conditions. They work with practitioners, integrating knowledge and treatment of experts to create comprehensive health plans. Visit markdrugs.com or call Roselle 630-529-3400 or Deerfield 847-419-9898. Today my guest is Dr. Andrew David Schiller, a holistic MD who helps people with chronic pain, autoimmune disease and people recovering from serious illness and physical trauma. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Well, first of all, can you tell us who Dr. Andrew David Schiller is? You know, what is your background? Sure. Well, I've been practicing for about almost 20 years now. I originally did my formal training in a combined residency program in internal medicine and physical medicine and rehabilitation. And so the orientation there is really working with people who are trying to get their lives back after really bad things have happened to them. And um, so as a result, we get exposed to patients who are often um, sort of what gets called end of the line or train wrecks or other uh, uh, painful sounding words uh, in modern medicine. The patients that seem to fall through the cracks either because they've been so horribly sick or injured or because they develop these chronic syndromes that don't really get well addressed by the conventional medical model. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my early years of practice, I was seeing a lot of patients that nobody else knew what to do with and neither did I. Yeah. Um, and as a result, I, st- I started studying with other kinds of healing practitioners and learning more about complementary medicine and complementary healing. And that was coming on my own background of 15 or 20 years doing a lot of meditation and movement arts like Tai Chi and yoga and things like that that exposed me not only to this kind of felt sense of health and wellness, but also exposed me somewhat to the underpinnings of other medical systems and other ways of understanding what is health and what is illness. Mm-hmm. And, and so as a result, there I was, this fresh out of residency training. I, I did my residency training at Harvard Medical School and went to medical school at Duke University. And so I had very good training, but it was inadequate for a lot of the patients that I was seeing. So that really got me looking for other approaches. And um, should I speak about that a little bit? Yes, please. So so, um, 
I first really got involved in osteopathy, which is a whole set of hands-on tools for helping um, the body's own natural healing capacity work in sort of a structural, integrated way. And um, a lot of mind-body work that I was doing with people with things like visual imagery and meditation and mindfulness. Um, And then really starting to see that there was this other theme going on. If if you want to think in a certain way about um, structural stuff is really mechanical in a certain way. And then there's this whole um, mind or mental aspect of things, which is the meditation, visual imagery part. But then I started to see that there's also this whole metabolic realm of healing that uh, we don't learn so much about in mainstream medical training. And so I found myself working with these three M's of sort of mechanical, structural, and mind, mental consciousness, and then metabolic, nutritional, biochemical. And um, a lot of that training has been through the root of learning functional medicine, which is a very systematic way of looking at how all the systems work together and understanding how there are common roots of many chronic illnesses that um, are in low-grade inflammation and disruption of the function of the gut and the gut barrier and the biome, as well as toxicity and impaired detoxification or really overwhelming our detoxification system, which is seems becoming more and more of an issue in our current society where there's so much that's so overwhelming in all the different realms, the emotional mental stresses and the biochemical and environmental stresses and people not sleeping well and going, going, going all the time. And in functional medicine, it's really what we would call a systems biology approach to look at how all the different systems of the body work together and to find sort of fundamental physiologic dysfunctions that over time interact with each other to give rise to many of the chronic illnesses that we're dealing with in Western society. Where that becomes relevant in, um, in my particular field, uh, a number of different ways, but, but certainly a lot of people who develop um, chronic pain syndromes uh, it stops being about the insulting trauma or injury that generated the pain. And it starts being about more of a central nervous system, low-grade inflammatory process that um, generates widespread pain. And from there, we could also talk about things like fibromyalgia, which, again, from Western medicine point of view, we understand it to be... Um, hypersensitivity to the pain processing system along with a number of other um, systemic problems that don't really seem to fit together in the eyes of most doctors. But if you look at the cutting-edge research, we see a certain set of physiologic dysfunctions in fibromyalgia patients, including low-grade inflammation and um, dysfunction and subtle hormonal balance and something that we call oxidative stress and which is kind of overall biochemical stress. And then uh, one of the main issues also being is, is mitochondrial dysfunction. Mitochondria are the organs that are inside our cells that produce energy. And so an aspect of fibromyalgia is this cellular energy dysfunction. So that's part of what explains fatigue and muscle pain after a low degree of physical exertion. Um, so my experience uh, is that 
there's a lot of different things that are going on that fit together that that um, various systems of the body that are part of these chronic pain and chronic illness processes. So when you have a patient who has obviously, if you're the last port of call, as it were, that they've been through all these other doctors before they get to you, how do you help the patient when they first arrive at your office? What do you do? Do you do further tests? Do you use the tests they've already had? Where's your starting point? Sure. Uh, my, my starting point is, is really none of the above. <laughs> my starting point is, is, is meeting them like a human being, meeting other human being. Because I find that the people with the chronic problems that no one knows what to deal with, to do with, have been through such difficult, difficult times getting their needs met and have been blamed and shamed and frequently have illnesses that are sort of silent and everyone's saying, you look fine, what's wrong with you? And mm -hmm. meanwhile, they're not fine. And there's such a profound sense of disconnection and isolation. And I find that um, sitting with a patient and just being with them and hearing what's going on and caring about them um, and empathizing with their situation and the fact that wow, they've been losing their life gradually over years and nobody seems to have an answer. And gosh, what does that feel like? And for a lot of people, that's a huge relief and burden that comes off. And, you know, and then there's a connection. Then there's like, oh, this person, this patient realizes that I actually care about what's going on and I'm interested and I want to help them. And that relationship is really the starting point because we're not talking, dealing with chronic problems like this, it's not an easy fix. It's a journey. It's a process. And the person needs to be met where they're at. And we need to really um, assess and, and, and learn and, and, and hear all of the things that are going on and take in all of the data that's been accumulated. And that data can mean the symptoms and the physical exam, the data can mean previous lab tests and various studies that have been done. The data can also include the response that the person's had to various treatments that have done for better or for worse, whether there's been side effects or not side effects. And so that's really a starting point is meeting the person and really hearing all the information. Um, I would imagine so, yeah. from being a, a patient myself, Having somebody listen to you when you probably haven't been believed in the past that people think that it's, you know, imaginary, um, that you're just depressed. I should think many of your patients cry, don't they, when they finally get somebody to listen? It's, yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Yeah, it's true. It must be very yeah, emotional. Yes, I, I can... Fully yeah. imagine that. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. A release, yeah. emotional yeah. release. Yes. Oh, so. frequently, or at least at least an opening. It's a starting point. It's mm -hmm. a starting point. And it so must... we have to make progress and actually get the. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Go ahead. But to have bottled it all up inside, 
holding it emotionally to be able to let it go because somebody is believing you must be so beneficial for that patient. That's what I've been told. Uh, and it, it seems that way. And, um, and that's gratifying in a certain way, just being able to um, help a person feel a bit less burdened by that. Yes. Yeah. So where does LDN fit in to your regime? And I know you you must treat everybody as an individual and everybody's condition right. is different. The way they right. respond is different. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. Well, so um, the way I would describe it is this, that um, uh, the, the two pieces, or I shouldn't say two, but the, you know, LDN as, I mean, this is the LDN radio show. So uh, um, everybody knows what LDN is basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but just briefly, as what we know is that um, LDN by by for a short period of time suppressing the the natural opioid system of endorphins and encephalins uh, stimulates the body to boost its own production and activity of the opioid system. And there's two fundamental parts of that. One is that we've got um, stronger natural opioid response. And what I always think of as, as so important about that is the body's generating the response. We're not talking about giving a single exogenous, like like a drug that is exerting opioid effect in a drug-like way, but we're we're looking at this incredibly complex, super intelligent system called the human body and mind that is producing its own um, multiple different kinds of chemicals that are involved in blocking pain and enhancing mood and shifting myriad other aspects of our physiology in a way that is more appropriate to that individual than giving a pill, which contains one or two or three molecules that may not work with the complexity of that human body. uh, Does that make sense the way Mm -hmm. I said that? Yes. Yeah. Great. And so, so there's that one aspect of there being more endorphins and encephalins around, which frequently blocks pain, enhances mood, it can increase energy. And then there's this other aspect that has been getting more attention lately from the research in LDN, which is this immune modulating effect. And, um, and so, so basically we have these chemicals called cytokines, which are the the chemicals that the immune system uses to communicate with itself, with the brain, with other organ systems. And um, by boosting the the intrinsic opioid system, um, LDN stimulates anti-inflammatory cytokines. There are pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokines, and it inhibits some of the main pro-inflammatory cytokines. And so, for instance... um, I see a lot of people with autoimmune disease and there's different drugs that get used for autoimmune disease, but some of the newer drugs, what do they work on? They're blocking tumor necrosis factor and tumor necrosis factor is one of the compounds that LDN seems to modulate. Um, LDN also seems to reduce interleukin-6 and some of the other pro-inflammatory cytokines and that has a, can have a profound effect in various 
immune-related issues. And that's why we're seeing various practitioners using LDN for autoimmune problems, but also for things like fibromyalgia, where there is a cytokine immune-driven aspect. Chronic fatigue, which we're seeing more and more, is an immune disorder, among other things, um, as well as inflammatory bowel disease. And uh, I'm not a, uh, involved so much in treating cancer, but the, the immune modulating effects the LDN seem to have some uh, implications for that as well, but I'm not the one to speak about the cancer part. Mm -hmm. so, so putting that into context, when I look at a patient, say they have um, fibromyalgia, really bad fatigue, um, can't sleep, pain all over their body, you know, it's a complex picture. Or even someone with autoimmune disease who frequently has an overlap and they have chronic widespread pain and digestive issues and so on. I'm looking for where are the leverage points to help shift this system towards health. And frequently that means getting pain reduced, um, blunting or, or modulating or reducing somewhat the degree of pro-inflammatory chemistry in the body. There are other things that we do from a functional medicine point of view, but those two pieces of blocking pain, enhancing mood, improving energy, and modulating uh, um, an overabundant immune activity or autoimmunity is part of the place where LBN can have its impact. And so there are some people who come to me and they say, I really want to try LBN and that's all I want to do. And, you know, um, sometimes that's what we do because that's what they're interested in doing. Um, functional medicine is more of an involved process, both in terms of the assessment as well as involving uh, the patient's motivation and willingness to make the lifestyle changes that are relevant to helping their body and mind heal. And some people aren't ready to do that. So some people are just treat with LDN. But other people who are actually also motivated to say, Doc, you know, I want to do the whole thing. I want to get my life back. I'm 32. I can't get out of bed. I can't function. I can't do this or that. What else do we need to be looking at? And then we do more of an assessment, but frequently LVN is a way of jumpstarting that system and working together with the nutritional aspects, the mind-body aspects, um, whatever physical treatment aspects might be part of the patient's treatment plan. Mm -hmm. Have any of your patients ever reported any negative side effects to you? Um, some. Um, and I'd, I'd say there was two aspects to that. One aspect is that for some people, the opioid blockade is unpleasant. And um, that's not most people, but it's some. Um, so... The most common thing I've heard is when I take this at, at night, and usually we give LDN at night because that's when it tends to work with the circadian rhythm is best, and they say, when I take it at night, I can't sleep, or I feel so energized, I don't want to go to bed. And so then I say, we'll take it during the day. And that's kind of standard practice. That we try to use it at night, but if not, do it during the day and actually capitalize on that, so to speak, side effect, the fact that the patient's more energized. Um, or if it would give them vivid dreams while they're during the day they're awake, so it doesn't give them the dreams. Um, I have had a few patients who just had more pain when they took it, and sometimes that's been alleviated by starting at a lower dose. 
as you probably know, we usually start at a milligram and a half and go to three milligrams and four and a half. Sometimes people go higher than that. Uh, but for certain patients who are really sensitive to medications, who may have um, uh, really profound fatigue or various kinds of systemic um, physiologic issues, that's too high of a dose. And so my patients who come in with really significant fatigue, I start them at half a milligram instead of one and a half. And that frequently prevents them from being that degree of like sort of overstimulated discomfort that sometimes people get. Um, so that's one class is that it, you know, the actual opioid blockade seems to um, cause an issue for people. And so that's alleviated usually by starting at a different time of day or um, starting at a lower dose. Uh, the second thing is that um, I recently moved from the New York, New Jersey area to Jerusalem, Israel, where I practice now. And when I first got here, I was looking for a pharmacy, a compounding pharmacy that produces LDN, and I was using one that was recommended to me. Um, and a whole number of patients, one all in a row, had just felt horrible from the LDN. And I switched to a different pharmacy. I called the pharmacy. I found out that they were using some filler agents for the capsules that didn't sound like it, they were helping the patient so much. Um, and then none of those, none of those were permanent things. The person didn't feel good and they stopped it basically. Um, but I found a different compound in pharmacy and haven't had those problems since. So that is an issue is, um, is having it produced by a compound in pharmacy that really knows what they're doing and uses, um, fillers that are not reactive. And I'm not a pharmacist, so I can't really give the details on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how long have you been prescribing LDN now? Uh, it's been about four and a half years. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's really been interesting because um, there are people who I, I really didn't expect to get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, and And... I'd say the most success I've had, and that may be because it's the most, the place where I've been using it the most has been with people with fibromyalgia and fatigue and, you know, people who've had fibro for five or six years who were 10 years, 12 years, one person who have just been really living much more limited lives and really being very frustrated and a little bit hopeless about it coming back and saying, um, it's like my fibromyalgia is gone. It's very dramatic Mm. for some people. So that's very gratifying to see that, you know, and these are people obviously who they've gone to the normal biomedical things and they've taken the Cymbalta and the Lyrica and the other, you know, tricyclic antidepressants like Elevil and Otriptyline. And they've tried to follow the recommendations of doing cognitive behavioral therapy and getting exercise, which are sort of standard uh, biomedical approaches to fibro and not gotten anywhere. Mm So um, some people have, with fibro have, have not gotten fully better. And part of what I attribute that to is that, like we talked about, people with fibromyalgia have a few different physiologic issues that are going on. And just using LDN is probably not covering all of them. And it may be that for people with um, with sort of earlier process fibromyalgia or uh, or fiber where the main issue is inflammation as opposed to 
really significant hormonal dysfunction or profound sympathetic stress axis dysfunction, um, the LDN has more leverage there. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with patients that come to you who are taking opioid medications? Ah, great question. Well, they can't do LDN and opioids at the same time. Um, and it's not that there's some sort of horrible drug interaction that's terrible and toxic. It's more that the two oppose each other because uh, the LDN is an opioid blocker. Um, and so I haven't had people who've said, okay, I'm willing to give up my opioids. Let's try LDN. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, had peop- I've had people who got off of their opioids prior to seeing me. And I tend to be more cautious in that situation. Um, I recently saw someone who had been on pretty large doses of OxyContin um, and had managed to taper themselves off a, a month or so before seeing me. Um, but what we know is that the opioid system and the, the, the receptor system for opioids and that we have throughout our body is profoundly altered by chronic treatment with opioids. Um, and we're just starting to understand this. It's a really complex phenomenon. Um, but um, I tend to be caught in that situation because you know, someone who's been on OxyContin or, morph- or long-acting morphine or fentanyl patch for months or years has an altered opioid system already. And so they could be expected to potentially respond differently to LDN. And so I, I, would, I treat someone like that a very low dose initially and very carefully titrated upwards with a lot of feedback, you know, mm-hmm. check in every week, how you doing, you know, because the, the last thing we want to have, um, so many patients are used to the, um, go in and see the doctor, get the pill and go home and then come back in a month thing. And I find that especially with people with chronic illness, that's often not so helpful because, they're sensitive and different things affect them in different ways. And so it's important to have that feedback and to, to have an open line of communication so that if they get some sort of new sensation, feeling symptom, that we're in touch about it. And that might mean, oh, well, to see how it goes for a few days. And then it turns out it got better. <laughs> And who knows what it was? Was it a viral infection or was it a bad stressor or who knows what? Um, Sometimes people just have things that come up. Um, But sometimes, no, it doesn't get better. And then, you know, we shift the LDN dose and decrease it and then they feel better. Or it may be some other aspect of their physiology that's acting up. Wonderful. For any of the listeners out there who would like to have a consultation with you, you were saying you were in Israel. Um, do, right. you, do you do any telemedicine as well, or do you only see patients I, I in Israel? Ser- no, I certainly do. Um, and so the best way to, to I do that through secure video with anybody worldwide, um, I, I only prescribe in the states that I'm licensed in, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also find that Frequently, um, if a person's got a caring primary care physician who's just not familiar with these things, that some thoughtful communication with that person can 
with, with the primary care doctor can um, sort of open the gate for them to actually do the prescribing if it's necessary. Um, and so I do that by video and the best way people would find me is through my website. They could probably Google Andrew David Schiller MD or they could go to www.drschiller.com which is just D-R-S-H-I-L-L-E-R.com. Mm-hmm. And which states are you licensed in? Um, currently, currently New Jersey and New York, although my licenses are pending also in Connecticut and Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Right. So that'll be coming online fairly shortly. Mm-hmm. Well, there we are. If you want to find out more about Dr. Andrew David Schiller, you go to his website and uh, I'm sure all the information you could possibly need is there. So all I can say is thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. It's been amazing talking to you and a privilege to get to know you. Thank you. It's been a privilege to be here and, uh, and speaking to your audience. Can I add one more thing? You certainly can. Um, I think the other thing that I'm getting quite passionate about that I really want to start making happen is that, as I think I mentioned briefly at the beginning, um, healing really is a journey. It's not a come to the doctor and get fixed thing. And when people have chronic issues, they need to be accompanied. It's a learning process. It's a informational learning and it's experiential learning. And and what I'm really working on now in my spare time is trying to create some good quality multimedia ways and courses for doing that, for really developing mind-body skills and for learning how to eat in a way that's actually helpful in healing. And, um, and so I'm excited about that because it's actually been something that's been studied in in other contexts where if you take people with chronic illness and you teach them living skills and you teach them coping skills, they tend to do better. They have a greater sense of self-efficacy. They're empowered to take better care of themselves and they're less dependent on doctors. Mm -hmm. So that's part of what where I'm moving also. So hopefully more of that will be coming out in the future. Well, we'll have to have you back next year (laughs) and, and find out. Yeah. thing that you yes you've been okay. up to thank you yeah linda thanks so much for having me all the best this show is sponsored by mark drugs who specialize in the custom compounding of medications assuring that the client gets the proper prescriptions for their unique needs and conditions they work with practitioners integrating knowledge and treatment of experts to create comprehensive health plans Visit markdrugs.com or call Roselle 630-529-3400 or Deerfield 847-419-9898. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, Linda. L-I-N-D-A at L-D-N-R-T dot org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.